Welcome to the Impact Church podcast. We are a community that doesn't pretend to have all the answers, but aims to have all the hope that you could ever need. We pray that this message is helpful and encourages you no matter what season of life you're in. Enjoy this week's message. But hey, thank you so much for joining us this morning um, for, for what is um, not only our final instalment in a series that we've done following Easter that we've called Walk this way, but it's also obviously a very special day because we're celebrating the mothers and the mother figures that we all have in our lives, the incredible women who do so much um, for us each and every day. And of course, this day brings up mixed feelings depending on recent events in your own life or perhaps your relationship with your mother or, or, woman fi- or women figures in your life. And we're just um, standing with you today. We're, we're praying for you today um, that regardless of the emotions, um, that today brings up, um, that, that, that this would be a great encouragement to you um, and, and to those who um, we do look to to celebrate today. We love you, we're grateful for you, um, and, we, and we couldn't do it without you. So much love to you guys today and in fact every day, but I guess taking a moment to say that particularly today. Um, and, and to finish um, we, this series, Walk This Way, it almost feels like an appropriate um, Day to try and finish off this series. If you've missed the first few weeks of it, um, we stepped into it um, after Easter. And look, I've, I'll be honest, I've missed the last few weeks of it too, because if you do attend um, Impact here in the room, you'd know that I haven't been in the room the last two weeks. Um, but regardless if you've been here, whether you've caught it online, or whether you're just catching up with us now for this final part, kind of like I am, then I think this will be a series or a conversation that you'll find really, really useful. Because we've tried to take the things that we learned about the life of Jesus and what exactly is life, death, and resurrection as we remember it at Easter. What do those things really mean? What, what is it that Jesus was inviting us to do with what it is that he did? Because only he could do that. But what is it that we've been invited to do in response to that? And to try and take a few weeks to really understand the walk of Jesus and what it invites us to participate in. And in, in this beautiful picture we've got up on the screen here, if you can make that out or if you're listening online, you've got this visual representation of what many would have thought of when it came to walking the way Jesus did. Because of course when Jesus came, many of those who encountered him used a particular term to refer to him and that term was rabbi, rabbi. And it's not a term that we necessarily use all the time these days unless you've, particu- uh, unless you've been involved in um, a Jewish celebration of some kind or um, have perhaps visited Israel or something like that. But there's this, there's this picture that would have come to mind for all of those who referred to Jesus as rabbi. And in fact, for all of those who saw others treating Jesus as rabbi. And part of that picture we see represented here following in the footsteps, following in the footsteps of your teacher, of your master, or as they would have called him, rabbi. And so what does it mean for us? What an incredible thing that 2,000 and something years after this rabbi walked the earth, we're still the conversation of how to follow him and how to respond to his invitation for us still echoes today. And regardless of whether you've tried to take this walk, this this following of Jesus as rabbi seriously 
for yourself up until this point in your life, or regardless of whether you might still have more questions than answers, there's a few things that I want to kick off with today that are just necessary to understand when it comes to exploring whether you might just like to walk this way, to walk the way of the Rabbi Jesus. A few of those things. Everybody, everybody is invited to follow. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter what you've thought about Jesus until this point in your life. Everybody is invited to follow. And if you've explored the Gospels for yourself, that is the accounts of Jesus' life, then you would see this to be true. It was not just those religious figures, those who had it all together, who were invited to follow Jesus. But it was in fact some of those who, up until this point in history, really had not had an invitation to follow a rabbi or a master. But Jesus went over those boundaries, transcended those cultural norms, and and gave the invitation to everybody to follow him. The second thing that I really want you to have in mind as as you consider what we've already talked about and as we consider the final part of this conversation today is that it's an invitation not just to a set of rules, not just to church, not just to a particular way of living that you might see as liberating or perhaps something that will put restrictions around what you enjoy doing. But it's in fact an invitation to relationship. The invitation that Jesus gave us, yes, will have an impact on the lives that we live. And in fact, I believe that following Jesus will make your life better and it will make you better at life. But just pausing on that for a second, before you consider that, if that's an obstacle for you or if you've been too caught up in the doing part of following Jesus, first and foremost, we're invited into a relationship. Amen. And so when you come to when you come to church on Sunday, sure it's it's an event of sorts, it's a gathering of sorts, but this isn't actually what the invitation is all about. So much as we are a conduit that passes on that invitation to you from Jesus to have a relationship with a heavenly Father who created all things, who transcends all things who in fact extends an invitation to us for things such as eternal life. Things such as a life that doesn't have to be marked by worry. Things such as a life that doesn't have to be marked by what you do or do not have, as far as material possessions are concerned. And if you think this is already strange so far, we'll just wait for this next one. Because another thing to keep in mind as we read the Gospels and we look at the invitation that Jesus gave us to walk this way, is that it seemed that being someone who was missing the mark, someone who you might say was a sinner, was almost a prerequisite for following Jesus. When you looked at the people who Jesus invited, you quickly realized no one had it all together. So if up until this point in your life you've encountered the idea that you have to be a particular personality or of a particular persuasion or behaviour or past, well, I'm sorry, if you look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, you'll quickly find that it seemed those Jesus was most interested in were actually those who didn't have it all 
together, almost as if being a sinner and, consider this, having doubts about life and questions about life, it seemed that all of those things were actually a prerequisite for following in the footsteps of this rabbi. Following also will eventually cost you. So far, maybe the news has been good on some of those prerequisites I've shared. So far, maybe it's encouraging. If you're listening to this going, maybe this isn't exactly what I thought it was all about, a holier-than-thou club that I could never hope to be a part of. Well, good news, that's not the case. But, to be real, following will cost you something. And we'll hear a little bit more about that later on. And finally, following Jesus seems to make regular men and women wonderful leaders of other people. It seems that those who take seriously the footsteps, the walk of Jesus and try to adapt it for themselves and to follow Jesus themselves become wonderful leaders of other men and women around them. So keeping those things in mind, keeping some of those prerequisites in mind as we consider this final, I guess, thing that I want to visit in following Jesus, keeping those things in mind, that you are not eliminated from this just because you fit a particular mold. In fact, if you're perfect, you're probably eliminated, but I'm pretty confident we don't have any of those people in here this morning. <laughs> if you are that, please do come and chat and let us know how you're going with that. <laughs> but I wanted to take us to a, a time in Jesus' life, a, a culmination point, if you like, not only in the conversation we're having today, but a culmination point in the career, in the ministry, in the life of Jesus that had his followers seriously asking questions about whether they had made a wise decision in following him. It's one of those moments in the New Testament, and we're going to look to the Gospel of John to learn about it. And if you read it, you might respond just like the disciples did in the moment and go, what is Jesus talking about? <laughs> Similar to the way that I just shared a list of prerequisites that we should keep in mind as we consider walking with Jesus. The news here starts good, but you'll see that as it dips, people begin to wonder whether they've made a wise decision or not about following Jesus themselves. And perhaps you'll go on a journey like that this morning as we consider this story. But it culminates, and where I want to go this morning together, it culminates in a powerful question from one of Jesus' closest disciples. A powerful question that I hope You'll walk out of this room with burned into your own heart, into your own soul, into your own mind as you consider this walk with Jesus for yourself. Because it's the kind of question that can transform a life. It's the kind of question that I am afraid to admit has been necessary for me in recentering more times than I would care to admit when things get hairy. So we join Jesus after one of probably his one of our childhood favorite memories of Jesus. If you're around Sunday school long enough, you definitely heard of this story. Maybe maybe you even heard this um, even without growing up in church. But we find Jesus after feeding the five thousand. We find him after one of his greatest signs, his greatest wonders, his greatest miracles. He just 
done something that had people flocking to him saying, ah, walk this way, this sounds good, free buffet. Every time this guy feels like feeding us when we're in the desert and there's only a few loaves and a few fish, he can feed all 5,000 of us. This is sounding like a really good deal for me. And, and, and more deeply than that, it's kind of, it's kind of fun to, to poke at the miracle and go, yeah, well, of course you'd follow a guy who can make a grilled all-you-can-eat buffet happen whenever he wants to on demand. But more deeply than that, what was going on is that the crowds were recognizing that this guy was something different. This rabbi had a different kind of way of teaching, a different kind of way of walking that was starting to garner the attention of not only those who already loved religion, but of those who were completely directionless, hopeless, unsure of whether following the, 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 the Yahweh, the God of the Israelite people, whether, whether that was something for them. And we find them of course, under the oppression of the Roman Empire, (coughs) hoping beyond hope that one day there might be someone who can lead them out of the oppression, lead them out of the pressure, lead them out of the difficult times they're experiencing under the leadership of the Roman Empire. And so we find Jesus tracked down by some of the same crowd members to whom he had miraculously fed the loaves and the fish. And Jesus has fled the crowds, jumped into a boat. There's a great story in that too that you can check out yourself later if you'd like to. And fled to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And he's arrived at a synagogue, probably not with 5,000, as was the case on the other side when Free Buffet was on, but with probably hundreds of people coming and flocking to hear this teacher who was giving signs and wonders like they had never heard of before. And in that crowd of hundreds... Probably not all of them, but in that crowd of hundreds, we find some of those who had participated in the great fish and loaf meal across the other side of the sea. And understandably so, perhaps like you or I might, they begin goading Jesus. They begin teasing out of Jesus. Hey, Jesus, would you do something similar like that again? Would you give us another sign? In other words, they're trying to trick him into feeding them once again. And Jesus takes this moment, Jesus takes this moment where some of those who had seen him perform this sign, who have followed him up to probably, you know, they're probably thinking more about their stomachs than eternal life at this point. But he takes this moment to give a really creative teaching. And as I've mentioned, a teaching that would become a real stumbling block for some of those who are considering, or even already had decided, to follow Jesus. And he begins to explain to them that he is the bread of life that has come down from heaven. But they're so literal-minded that they cannot follow the analogy. And they even go so far as to say, we know your parents. We know your parents. You're not bread from heaven. (laughs) We know who your mum and dad are. We know what town you're from. There is no way that you are from heaven. Thank you very much, Jesus. And we find ourselves in this moment. And so we'll join the story here. We'll throw the first verse up on the screen. Thank you, Jude. If you've got it there, mate. And we're going to John chapter 6. And we'll start in verses 32 and 33. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, referring to another miracle where the people who looked to God had been fed in a way that they could not quite believe. A few thousand years before Jesus had arrived. 
It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sounding good so far. But then things get hairy as we go to the next verse. Jesus explains that he, in fact, is the bread that they're looking for. And this is the response that he gets. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? And so the crowd begins to turn. After following him from one side of the sea to the other, after seeing signs and wonders that had blown their minds, the crowd starts to turn as Jesus begins to give them a teaching that they could not quite get their heads around. How, how do we respond in this moment? When Jesus begins to teach something as we look at the Gospels, when Jesus perhaps begins to stir something inside you if, you, if you're someone who already follows Jesus, you'll know what I'm talking about. If there are things happening that you go, oh, is that really what's required of me to follow you at this time? I really don't like that. What is our response? And so some of those who were there gathered in the crowd begin to say, this is just too much. This is just too much. And Jesus begins to explain to them if we go to the next verse. And the response that he gets is that from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And here comes the crunch moment. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And so at this moment, how do we respond? If you've started out and following Jesus, if you've started out to walk the way that he teaches us to walk, how do you respond at the moment when he gives you something that's a little harder to stomach? If you're someone who's considering setting out on this journey, but there's just questions that you've got that you don't seem to have an answer to, how do you respond at that moment? If Jesus turned to you and said, you don't want to turn and leave me as well, do you? How do we respond in that moment? Because as I said right at the beginning, Jesus, following Jesus, sorry, is going to cost us something. Now let's be clear, as I said, I think following Jesus, certainly in my own personal experience, following Jesus has made life better for the most part. It gives me lots of reasons not to have to worry, to stress. It gives me great peace and excitement and joy and the feeling that I'm a part of something much grander than just the 80, 90, 100 years or so that I might have the privilege of living. It gives me something that goes beyond the job that I have, the things that I can gain, the relationships and experiences that I can enjoy. And those things are important, but to think that I could be a part of something greater, that's, that's great. Following Jesus makes life better. 
It also makes me better at life. It means that I can draw on strength that causes me to have patience, that causes me to be able to love others, that causes me to be able to forgive others when perhaps the world would say, I don't know how you're doing that. And then I can just say, well, Jesus gives me the strength to do it. It will make life better. But at some moments in life, it does cost us, right? To follow Jesus. I don't know what situation is coming into your mind as you consider this. Whether it's a conversation with some mates at work who don't quite see things the same way you do. And they turn to you and say, you're, you're like a Christian, right? What do you have to say about this? At a moment where you have to decide whether you take a job that'll pay more, but just doesn't feel right. At a moment of relationship tension when it would just be easier to walk away, but that little voice on the inside of you says, "Mm -mm. that's not what following Jesus requires of you at this moment. I'm not sure what comes to mind for you, but there is a cost to following Jesus that will eventually, if you have not already experienced it, pop up its head whether it be in relationship, in work. And one of the, one of the most obvious moments that happens for each of, the, each, each of us is in moments of transition. In moments of transition, whether it be from high school into university, or from university into the workplace, or from job to another kind of job. But in these moments of transition, where we have to look to the way of Jesus as a guidepost for us, and not just earthly possession or earthly gain or status, but we have to look to something greater than that as our guidepost. In these moments of transition where it's going to cost us something, all of a sudden following Jesus becomes inconvenient, maybe embarrassing, and maybe even costly. And that's the decision that the disciples faced in that moment. The all-you-can-eat buffet you performed on the other side of the, of the sea, that'd be great. Can you just go back to You can imagine the tension of that moment, right? James and John, <laughs> take, take those two out of the twelve who were there in this moment. The brothers, right? Just a few chapters earlier in this gospel, we read that they were talking to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, we're kind of onto something here. We think you're going to kind of be a big deal. Maybe, maybe even a king of some kind. So when that happens, can we sit on your left and your right? Because, of course, following a king and being someone who knows a king well, as they go towards their throne, it's, it's going to reap rewards. It's all sounding good at this point, but you can imagine for James and John at this moment of, of crossover where following Jesus had been beneficial and all of a sudden it's going to cost them something. You can almost imagine that they would grab Jesus by the arm and kind of pull him to the side, try and take him out of the synagogue for a moment. Hey, Jesus, just... just Time out, time out on that one. Just come have a chat with us. Hey, Matthew, go tell some tax collector jokes or something to the crowd. You can almost imagine that they pull Jesus aside and they say, like, we're losing them. We're losing the crowd. Aren't you trying to become a king? We don't want them to leave. You don't want them to leave, right? That, did you see that status walking out the door for us? I mean, you? Did, can, can we go back to the feeding or the, you know, the blessed other peacekeepers or something that, you know, don't worry because the birds are looked up, like something like that. Can we go back to something like that? You can imagine them feeling that tension. I, I can imagine it because I've felt it. 
in the moments amongst my peers at work or in, in, in the playground, quote-unquote, when following Jesus requires something that's not necessarily obvious as a, as a logical decision, when it's going to cost us something, the response that we have is unusual. And it's difficult. When I think of this moment, I think of a moment not that long ago when Eleanor and I lived 10 minutes from the ocean, had two fantastic full-time jobs, and a life with family just around the corner laid out before us. And then we began to feel something, a stirring. Hey, maybe there's something different that I want to call you guys to. Want to move to Canberra? No. <laughs> Do you know how cold it is there? And not even winter, just autumn. Can we talk about that? We don't, why would we do that? What do you mean? You want, you, like, I'm going to give up a job where I get, like, Qantas gold status and free buffets every morning when I fly in and out of work so I can do what? Be a pastor? I got three uncles and a grandpa who was a pastor. I saw what it does. I don't, no thanks. I'll pass. <laughs> it wasn't a small moment for us. It wasn't a quick moment either. There was some wrestle, there was some conversation, there were some tears. <laughs> but ultimately we had to decide in that moment. Do we want to follow what we feel Jesus is calling us to? Or do we want to follow what's convenient? What will obviously reward us in earthly terms in the greatest way? And I'm not saying that we get it right. But this question that follows this moment from one of Jesus' closest disciples, I think can center us and guide us as we consider those own moments in our life. When I realized as Eleanor and I were talking about this job that there were certain things I'd never drive, certain things I'd never wear, certain houses that I could just forget about, <laughs> certain experiences that I could probably just leave behind, when I realised that my kids one day, if I'm blessed with kids, are going to be pastor's kids. <laughs> I don't know if you've met a PK before, but God bless him. More times than I care to admit, this question that follows this moment has recentered, has caused me to carefully consider what exactly is it that Jesus would have me do, not just my own earthly response. And here it is, this question from Peter, as Jesus asks, you do not want to leave too, do you? You can go to the next one for me, Jude. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. To whom shall we go? Or you could perhaps put it as, to what else shall we go? Transition causes us to consider carefully all of the options that are available to us. When we come to these crossover points in our own lives where the culture of Jesus and the way of Jesus and the walk of Jesus 
crosses over and competes with what we might want to do in our own mind or flesh? Would we be bold enough to pause and ask the question that Peter asks? To whom shall we go? To what else shall I go? When you doubt, you have to ask the question, if not him, if not Jesus, then who? And if not Christianity, then what? It won't always be easy to follow Jesus. It won't always be easy to consider what the Christian way of following might be in that moment. But pause and give yourself the opportunity to ask Simon Peter's question. If not you, Lord, then who? Because I can guarantee you this, that if you choose to not follow Jesus anymore, you will end up following something. And if you choose not to consider and try to follow as best as you can the Christian approach, the follower of Jesus approach to whatever it is that you're facing, you will be guided by something else, by some other value system, by some other drive, by some other form of peer pressure or media, you name it. And so you owe it to yourself in that moment to ask, to whom else should I go? And in that moment when the pressure's on, and in that moment where you're unsure in the transition that you're facing, if you can do the Jesus way, in that moment the fog begins to lift. Because when you look at what Jesus is offering, is anyone else offering similar? Is anyone else saying, I am the bread of heaven, the one in whom you can look to to never desire something else to fill you again? I am all you need. I don't know if you've experienced in your own life the kind of peace that that promise can bring when you take Jesus at his word and you choose to follow his way and you choose to believe what he said in that moment of crossover. Don't hear me saying it won't cost you. But who else? Who else? Or what else is offering similar? I don't know if you have a, a memory of a university experience, whether it be in the lecture theatre with a particularly enthusiastic philosophy lecturer. Or maybe it was just in a, in a restaurant somewhere with friends. And they said, you're Christian, right? What does, that, what, does that, what does that mean for you in that moment? And when you begin to engage with these other ideas, sometimes, and let's be real, sometimes it's just the loudest in the room that is the most persuasive. So don't be persuaded by just the loudest voice in the situation you're facing, the transition that you're facing. Because the adult with the microphone usually wins. Or the social media channel with the most money for sponsoring usually wins. But when you face these moments of, do I go the Jesus way or another way, just ask, just pause and consider for a moment, if not him, then who? And if not Christianity, then what? It comes as well, of course, when we face trouble, when we face things that are difficult. It comes when we're facing temptation, when we're facing something that we're not, not sure about. 
that maybe you've grown up in a Christian home and that's kind of the way you've done it, but all of a sudden there's this really nice option to the side that someone's popped in front of you and said, surely this is more appealing to you. At that moment, do you drift? At that moment, are we persuaded otherwise without pausing to ask ourselves the question, to whom else shall I go? So after you consider the questions, after you identify that you're in a moment of transition, in a moment of trouble, in a moment of temptation, in a moment of choosing whether to follow the Jesus way or some other way being presented to you by friend, foe, or just Facebook. (laughs) After you've identified the questions, consider the options. And when you do, the fog will begin to lift. And when you consider the faithfulness of God, whether because of your own lived experience because of what you've read about in the life of Jesus, you realize that there really is only one clear option. But it requires that we pause and ask the question that Peter asked. To whom else shall I go? You are the only one, Lord, offering me eternal life. You are the only one, Lord, offering me eternal satisfaction. You are the only one, God, who guarantees me something beyond just the experiences that I'm having in this life. So to whom else shall I go? Thanks again for joining us for this week's message. We hope it was helpful to you and practical for your life. Ultimately, we pray that this inspired you to consider taking a next step in your relationship with Jesus, whatever that may look like for you. If that's something you would like to do, we would encourage you to get in touch with us via the details in the podcast description. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.